0: Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com.
1: This is Nashville. I'm Nina Cardona filling in for Khalil Ecolona. Every Thursday afternoon when I was a little girl, my mother would drive me from Smyrna to Nashville so I could take classes at Miss Kathy's School of Dance on Nolensville Pike. It was right next to the Winn-Dixie in Tusculum. I have such clear visual memories of driving through that part of town in the early 80s, and I got to tell you, they are all super southern, country fried even. Nolensville Pike is like a whole different place now. What used to be Service Merchandise is KNS International Market now. Harding Mall has disappeared altogether. Now, the Barbie Cutie restaurant I remember passing by every week does still serve classic southern dishes, but these days, Nolansville Pike is better known as the place in Nashville to travel the global foodways. Today, we're looking at one of the most distinctive transformations that's taken place in Nashville over the last few decades by talking to some of the people who have helped make the corridor a vibrant cultural crossroads. But first, it's time for At Us. Every Thursday, we read the comments so you don't have to. Yes, we are encouraging you to literally at us on Twitter at ThisIsNashville, on Instagram at ThisIsNashville underscore WPLN, and at WPLN News on Facebook. Joining me now with a look back at the past week is our digital lead, Anna Gallegas-Canon. Hey, Anna. Hey, Nina. Welcome to your first At Us. Thank <laughs> you. Well, I hear Monday's show caused quite a buzz online. Yes, it really did.
2: So, just a glimpse back, Monday's show was all about what's next for um, Nissan Stadium and who will be funding these improvements. We received a flood of tweets, which goes to show that both Titans fans and non-Titans fans are very invested in what happens next to the stadium. Before the show, I asked listeners if the city should build a new stadium or renovate the current one. Listener Wooten on Twitter pointed out that for many residents, the real question here is if Nashville taxpayers should, quote, renovate Nissan Stadium, build a new $2.2 billion stadium, or fund projects that are actually benefit uh, to the citizens of Nashville. Online, a lot of our readers seem to agree that the city needs to do its own estimate estimates of these costs, because that $2.2 billion figure actually comes from the Titans themselves. And as we all know, they have a pretty vested interest. Yeah. So listener Patrick McDonald wrote to us asking, quote, can the structural repair assessment be made public? If there truly are major def- major deficiencies, as claimed, the public opinion could be more favorable to build a new one, provided full transparency.
1: What other questions did listeners have about the stadium?
2: So someone who goes by um, L.A. Nash on Twitter asked, quote, can we call the state's bluff in requiring a new stadium with a dome to get their money? I couldn't care less and would love both city and state money to be used elsewhere. elsewhere." Well, you know, that may be a a good idea to some people that five hundred million dollars allocated by the state legislature actually comes with strings attached. So basically no dome, no money. What's the big deal about having a dome? So one of the reasons why um, there's an idea behind the dome is a new Nissan Stadium will be able to attract larger events like the Super Bowl or the NCAA basketball Final Four and other major events. Someone who goes by John Deere Diva on Twitter brought up a really good point, though. They wrote to us saying, there are all these assumptions that we would be in line for the Super Bowl or NCAA events. But with Tennessee's, quote, appalling state legislature decisions, these events could get yanked or moved because of that that sort of vitriol doesn't play in most states.
1: And uh, we have seen that in the past in other states. The NCAA moved multiple events out of North Carolina in 2016 and mm-hmm. 2017 after that state passed an anti-LGBT law.
2: Right. And as we know, anti-LGB measures have been a big focus for our lawmakers recently. And, you know, we can't really predict what will happen to the stadium, but it's currently a topic that we'll revisit again. Anything else, Anna? So yesterday we started our show on a somber note uh, with a segment about suicides at the Natchez Trace Bridge. It's been a pretty pervasive problem since the bridge was built. Uh, So far we've lost more than 40 lives to suicides at the bridge. We were bravely joined by one woman who survived her attempt there and a mother who lost her son this way.
1: Yeah, it was a very powerful interview. Now I've lived in Nashville pretty much my whole life. I know a lot about that history. I also know that we mispronounced Natchez. One of our listeners called in to point it out, too. Our regular host, Khalil Eculona, is relatively new to town, but we do have a team of folks who have been here for longer periods of time, ranging from a year to decades. Now, obviously, those of us who've been around longer know it's Natchez, not Natchez. But it was an honest mistake.
2: Yeah, Khalil is obviously out today, but he says he's sincerely sorry for that stumble. And, you know, it's the South. We pronounce things pretty interesting here. (laughs) But I definitely hope our listeners will be able to hear past the pronunciations and focus on the really powerful stories that our brave guests were able to share with us that day. Amen to that. Now, you also have a request for our listeners this week, right? Yes. So, So the show team is currently working on a Citizen Nashville episode dedicated entirely to mental health next Tuesday. Currently, we're collecting stories and questions from our community about mental health care. And there's an easy form on our website at thisisnashville.org that anyone can fill out if they have questions or comments or, you know, just their own experience. Our goal is to make that episode a resource for all of our listeners because mental health is just as important as physical health. And, you know, there's a lot of stigma around it because it's just a topic we do not talk about
1: enough. Well, thanks to our digital lead, Anna Gallegos-Cannon, for this roundup. Anna, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Of course, and our listeners know where to find me. Don't forget to at us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Let's keep the comments coming. Also, fill out our community survey to let us know what topics you want us to cover at thisisnashville.org. It's super easy and quick and helps us produce shows with your needs and interests in mind. We have to take a short break. When we come back, we're heading out to Nolansville Pike in South Nashville. Today, the popular corridor is a destination for international cuisine and markets, but it wasn't always that way. Tweet us your stories about Nolansville Pike then and now at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Nina Cardona, and this is Nashville. (laughs) Nolensville Pike is a bustling road that starts around the fairgrounds and stretches south about 10 miles. It's a central thoroughfare for South Nashville, but it's best known as a corridor of authentic international cuisine. In the kitchen of Sarati Street Food, Chef Vincent is cooking up an Indian take on an East Asian classic, fried
3: rice.
1: (inaudible) The difference, Vincent says, is all in the spices. And it's that specific taste that has customers like PK coming back again and again.
3: I can feel and taste like authenticity, like Indian style. Is, which is the best part. Like, you know. And
1: it's not just restaurants. Nolensville is lined with grocery stores that carry products from all over the world.
3: Sure.
1: Nowra's market carries Kurdish staples like grape leaves that can be hard to find elsewhere. <laughs> To learn a little bit more about how Nolansville became the hub of international culture and cuisine, we know today I'd like to welcome a few guests who have been there since the 90s. Dr. Jose Gonzalez is co-founder of Conexion Americas, which has been serving the Latino communities from its home base on Nolansville Pike for decades. Hamid Hassan owns House of Kebab, which has long been an important hub for our Kurdish communities. And Lilian Yepes is co-owner of La Hacienda Taqueria. Thank you all for joining us. Jose, let's start with you. You right. came to Nashville in the mid '90s. So take us back. What was Nolensville Pike like at that time?
0: Well, I, I remember moving to Nashville, and of course, and I moved directly from Mexico, which is which is my home country. And so, of course, when I arrived, one of the first things, like, all right, where where can I go find some Mexican food? And and back in those days, it was Lillian's Restaurant, the one of the very few restaurants. Right? It looked very very different than it does today. The restaurant and entire Nolensville Pike. Right? Uh, it was. It was certainly a middle-class neighborhood. Uh, the immigrant and the refugee population had just, that, that boom had just kind of started. And of course, that's where they were settling, looked at very differently from the way it does today.
1: When did immigrants first start settling in South Nashville?
0: Well, uh, in a meaningful way, in a way when that that really caused people around the city, really around the state, to kind of look around, saying, what, "What is going on?" When when really the the fabric of those neighborhoods started to change, was really accelerated in the early nineties. Right, it's when Nashville's initial boom of like we started building neighborhoods and started building arenas and stadiums and so forth. That that really was the main draw to bring people. To Nashville in particular construction workers and, and and that was really one of the main forces that that started attracting people to Nashville and so it was really really around those times that the neighborhoods started to change and the the retail stores and the restaurants and the food options started to change back then
1: and now, of all the parts of Nashville where people could have ended up why will Pike
0: yeah, that's that's great. I mean, I I think that the main reason is affordability, right? This is this is an area of town that was affordable at the time, uh, that. Um uh, as it usually happens with this, with with immigrant networks, right? It, it could have been two or three families that settled in a particular apartment complex, perhaps renting, and then from there, like friends and family, started showing up and you know, and, and started building the network in that in that way. I don't think there was anything particular or intentional around Nolensville. Uh, I think it was just certainly the proximity to the rest of the city and the affordability factor that that contributed to it
1: as a new arrival yourself, how was it for you at that time trying to find a community that felt like home
0: to you uh yeah I mean it 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 didn't exist right it didn't right. exist and so certainly I was yearning for that I was yearning for uh going to a supermarket or or at least a small store where I could find some of the nostalgic staples right that that I that I, that I had left back home and so um uh, I mean back in those days I remember walking in into some of the grocery stores, and whenever I heard, there wasn't a lot of Spanish being spoken in town. Whenever I heard someone <laughs> speaking Spanish, like I've re- really made it a point to go up and talk to the person, introduce myself, and try to establish some sort of connection. You know, if I did that today and tried to talk to everybody speaking Spanish, I, I would never leave the store. <laughs> uh, and so, um, yeah, you know, it was places places like. La hacienda, right? That was the restaurant, and 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 then the retail operation that they had. Where I really could like, I love. There's this there's this type of peanuts that are Mexican, and I mm. I, I couldn't find them anywhere. I remember just driving. I used to live in Bellevue at the time, right? I remember mm. driving over to so that I could just just buy to get those, those peanuts. Those, those peanuts, so.
1: yeah. It's it's such a powerful thing to be able to have a little piece of you know. Just what feels like you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> now, Hamid, you got here around the same time, straight from Kurdistan. What was your experience trying to find community?
3: Well, at the beginning, it was so hard uh, because the community was small. And we got here in 93. Uh, but uh, little by little, I get to know people and start uh, get a car. And people, uh, we as a small community got together. We opened uh, a mosque, and then a small school for kids, and then uh, little by little people from other states start moving here. Now we have the biggest community, over 20,000 people in Nashville. So at the beginning it was hard, but now it's been everything we call it Little Kurdistan because we have all this market, all this restaurant, all this lawyer, doctor, everything. So basically it's a blessing right now.
1: When did you take over House of Kebab?
3: House of Kebab... um, it used to be Alibaba restaurant. They opened in uh, 1997. And uh, I worked there in 1999. I was a server, and uh, I just graduated from high school. And then uh, in 2000, this is... Uh, uh, I take over in 2000, January 2000.
1: You you were really young then. What, what was that experience like?
3: Well, it was... Uh, Actually, it was kind of hard for me because I was, yeah, I was just, just graduated from high school. I was in Najul Tech for six months and uh, at the beginning it was just kind of hard, very hard, but, uh, I had the previous uh, owner uh, speak by my side and teach me all this stuff and uh, he helped me for a while and we, uh, Take me about six, seven months uh, to get to know all this stuff, and uh, you know, ordering and taxes on uh, payroll and stuff. But like that. that was it. After that, it got easy and easy until uh, we we started with three employees, uh, with me, one of my brother, and my cousin. And now we have about two, over twenty five employees. So,
1: you know, been, uh, you mentioned that it's 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 grown into some place that feels like Little Kurdistan to you. What what are some of those milestones where you? You felt like that community reached that point that yeah th- this is this is a cohesive group here now we've we've really got a, a Kurdish community here.
4: Uh, well,
3: just just so many people move in, here and we have school, we have mosque, we have a market, we have restaurant, we have lawyer, attorney. It's just it make it like feel like home basically, especially when you drive and all over the road, you see all these different sign with. Different name that you recognize this name and stuff. So it's, it's basically it's it's just really really good. Feels good when you drive on all zero in this area and and a harding place and see see so many Kurdish families I mean, Kurdish community and then so
1: I get that it feels good. So good. A- along those lines, Lillian, I think La Hacienda was one of the first signposts that clued the rest of Nashville into the fact that so many Latino folks had settled in the area. Why did you decide to open La Hacienda? Lillian, are, are you there? I'd like to know what, why you decided to open La Hacienda, which became such an important early part of uh, the growth of the Latino community on the Lonsville Pike. Uh, Jose, yeah. what, what did La Hacienda mean? I yeah, mean you, no, you mentioned I, I, it was one of the first places you saw. Oh,
0: absolutely. And I, I, I happen to know a little bit of the story of okay, what happened. Great. Right? They, they, The Jeppe's family, they they, they were visiting friends that, that lived in Nashville. And they looked around and they, they were looking for – they really came to visit and they liked Nashville. And they looked around and said, there's not a tortilleria. There's not a place that sells tortillas. And so um, I, I, Lillian would verify the story, but I've heard him talk about – buying a tortilla maker in California and driving cross-country and, and coming to Knowlesville and finding the spot and and going in and signing a lease with the, the gentleman that owned the, the, the building and then started making tortillas, right? And today, that operation is just a very impressive, large, with dozens and dozens of— of of employees that distribute tortillas all over this all over the southeast for me as a again as a newcomer to Nashville at the time just literally i mean going probably <laughs> probably a couple of times a week at, b- back in the days just to just just to just to feel like there was a little Piece of home uh, where I could actually uh, also bring the friends, the friends that I was making, the people I was connecting with in the broader Nashville, because the offering, the food, the culinary offering in Nashville was not what it is today, right? And so <laughs> <Nowhere> my <near. laughs> my friends who are not Latinos, right? Yeah. I, I I I remember uh, I was like, hey, this I found this really good authentic Mexican restaurant, and so I would just bring them to Nolesville Road, and you know for. For years, then that became sort of a, a hangout place, um, and, and to this day, still, when people come to visit from out of town, um, yeah, that I, it's 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 not rare to find me there, uh, kind of <laughs> bragging about the good culinary offerings at Lesienda and many of the other places uh, along the corridor.
1: If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm Nina Cardona, sitting in for your host, Khalil Ekulona. We're talking this hour about how Nolensville Pike became Nashville's global crossroads. And uh, Lillian, I'd like to hear for you, why Nolensville for La Hacienda?
5: Well, <clears throat> it is, I mean, we didn't look Nolensville, which is it happened, we're driving to look a place to rent and to opened the business and it happened that we see that sign available. Um, They were leasing the spot of La Hacienda and we got so excited, which has been uh, we start driving from um, probably from um, Bell Road on Nolensville Road all the way to 440, but a straight shot because my brother Jose told me um, this is going to be <laughs> a good place because he already own um, a discoteca Mexico where they're selling all the videos and the Spanish music. So we're trying to focus on Nolensville. But then it happened that, uh, that a spa was available for, for a rent or lease. And we went to ask the owner and they became available. And that's part of the story, you know, <laughs> we didn't know anything about much about Nashville. We just came one short visit and that was pretty much. But I guess, yeah, it meant to be, you know, a good place for us till mm-hmm. the time right now.
1: Why did you decide to open a restaurant?
5: Uh... Because also my brother mentioned to me, um, he moved um, on the early 90s, no, like uh, on 1989 to Nashville uh, with the company um, for, for work. And he used to, you know, we grow and raise um, in Mexican food and this is, you know, our tradition. So my brother missing all the Mexican spicy, my mom's food, the good tortillas. So we asking my brother, Um, When happened to go vacation back home in California, we asked him, how's Nashville? He said, everything is good except the food. You know, I miss my food and I miss my tortillas. My husband like click and he say, so tell me a little bit more. What do you mean? There's no... I mean tortillas, like you know, like stores, fresh tortillas, fresh tacos, taquerias. Was was that hard to even imagine for you? No, he (laughs) no, it, it yeah, because no, we didn't grow in that, you know, environment. We grew where we, even our grandmother makes our fresh tortillas daily, every day. So we just, I mean, we like, a, you know, like a hot bread, you know, daily. So for us, the tortilla, fresh, and minced, that was, you know, our daily food um, every day. So poor my brother say all he found frozen tortillas um, in the store, so my husband is dark, you know, more like an idea. Well, what about, you know, if we, if we start a business <laughs> and the tortilla and you yeah, saw mean, that opportunity. Food, yeah. That wasn't a great opportunity. And, and we not knowing any experience in any of type of, um, you know, like we, we not be owners before, you know, which is, you done. know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, it's amazing. And I'm just so, I mean, so thankful because, you know, we have a very loyal customers. I mean, uh, to this day, like I hear them, they're, they're still looking to hang up in, you know, in that La Hacienda. And I mean, that's all we did, you know, put, <laughs> put you know, Mexican food in, you know, and hopefully, you know, we... We try very hard to see, you know, if it's going to work and and it works, you know, it works after a few years, you know, it's not easy, but you put your heart and your hard work together and, and then everything is, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, after that, it's just flow more easy, but yeah, that's, that's one of the reasons my husband said, well, let's go. (laughs) He asked me, would you support me? I say whoo, <laughs> that was a hard, you know, answer. But I say, yes, um, and, and, yeah, I will support you and look at where we are now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was about to say the same thing. Look at where you are now. Uh, yes. Thank you. Jose, from very early on, immigration to South Nashville hasn't just made a little Mexico or a little Kurdistan. It's been a mix of cultural groups. Can you give us a picture of the true diversity of the corridor?
0: Uh, I. I, I no because uh, because <laughs> and this is why i don't think anybody really grasps the diversity that exists in, in the corridor many of us even those those of us that that work in that space and are connected to the organizations and to the different groups and certainly the business owners like even those those that are connected, I don't think we truly totally grasp like the the very rich and robust diversity that exists. As you mentioned, it, it is it's not only Latin American countries. It's certainly not only Mexico, and it's not only Kurdistan. I mean, it, even, it early is, on, right? it, even early on, right? Even early on, right? You know, the 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 orga- organizations organizations like Catholic charities were some of the first organizations that. That uh, played a role in bringing uh, that type of refugees to Nashville, and so there are organizations like like them and World Relief and others that that early on, you know, sort of put Nashville on the map as a as a refugee resettlement center. And it was it was that that ignited that that in those initial flows. Uh, of course, back in those days, it was it was refugees from different different places in the world, and then it was the immigrant wave from. Primarily Latin America, and so yeah. Today, you know, everybody knows the statistic about how many languages are spoken in the in the school system. I mean, uh, adventure to say if you if you if you stand in and road uh, one day and you could listen to the conversations of the cars that are driving by, I, I bet there'd be over a hundred languages Absol- that are being spoken.
1: I, when I think I've heard at one point that at Glencliff High School alone, over a hundred languages. Right. Um, I'm curious how folks have seen the clientele change over the years. At, at your business, Hamid, what have you seen at House of Kebab?
3: Well, we see a lot of different people, different faces, different language, good ways. So it's been a lot of different, especially after pandemic and stuff, and I see a lot of different faces in here. I mean, Najgul are growing and we see a lot of good ways of, um I'm kind of very very happy to see we are back in the business and see more business and see uh, all these different people.
1: How have you seen the mix change at La Hacienda, Lillian?
5: Well, excuse
1: <coughs> That's all right. Excuse me, sorry. That gets us all sometimes. <coughs> Let me just
0: I'll tell you. I mean, I, I j- just as a, cost, as a customer, right, of many of this of these places, I know that the that the the make that's one of the things that's exciting and really an opportunity, mm-hmm. right, around around mm-hmm. Nolensville and leveraging Nolensville and the, in particular, the culinary offerings because it 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 started with right the 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 local the immigrant and the refugee communities that like myself were going to. To you know, eat a taco because we missed our our taco from or our fresh tortilla from Mexico. But the but now it's become a destination. Right now, it's that the clientele is driving from all over town because they know that there's such a rich diversity of culinary offerings. And so those people that are uh, those folks that are you know, food, I mean, there's a, there's a foodie scene that is that's a that's a strong following of going to many of those places. Organizations that have. Um, you know, undertaking some projects to actually elevate and promote and get people from other parts of town to come. And I think that's one of the greatest opportunities. It's a a great asset that we have. I think it's one of the greatest opportunities that we have in Nashville is to continue to support and leverage and elevate that offering along along the corridor.
1: You know, as the area has grown over the years and really become a hub for your communities, Lillian, what has that meant to you? Especially as someone who was just they're really at the start.
5: Well, it means a lot because you know when we just started, when we just start back then, we just you know we were just so excited, so happy to start a new business. But then you know we didn't know anyone, and little by little, you know um, the community start growing, and we start having you know um, a lot of good customers and. Going back to the question that you're gonna ask me, um, our thought it was to make just Mexican food for just for Latinos. We didn't know about, you know, diversity of other people like our food, but we end up having, you know, like um, all kind of diversity people, and we're so happy, you know, just you know, just to serve them, not only the Latino, and we just, you know, learn a lesson that we now was meant to be you know only for Latinos, for everyone who wants to come and wanna taste our food. So I mean that's where we that's where we are there right now, you know, so happy, you know, we can serve everyone.
1: Hamid, how about for you? What is it meant to see this neighborhood become such a hub for your community?
3: Well with, without their support and their we wouldn't be where we are now. Uh especially you know in Past couple of years and stuff. Uh, like, uh, for example, I had uh, some people used to come once a week. And during the pandemic and stuff, they come like two, three times to support us. As I say we know any time's tough at the time. And uh, so we're very thankful to have all these people in this neighborhood and this, this area. I mean, like I said, if it wasn't them, we wouldn't be where we are right now. But thanks to God, we had good. Uh, community and good people around this area and supporting us and where we're at now.
1: Well, that's Hamid Hassan, owner of House of Kebab, and Lillian Yepes, one of the driving forces behind La Hacienda. Thank you both for joining us. Dr. Jose Gonzalez is going to stick around with us through the break. The name of the game on Nolensville has been more cultures, more gathering places, more food. After the break, we'll talk about new Nolensville Road with a few business owners working to deepen that community. If you resettled here from another country, have you found a home away from home along Nolensville Pike? What's your favorite spot on Nolensville? Tweet us your stories at this is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Nina Cardona, and this is Nashville. I remember one day when I was in high school, my father came home from work excited to tell us about the new place he'd gone for lunch. He said, there's real Mexican food in Nashville. Can you believe it? On Nolensville Road, of all places. Those were the early days. But in the last 10 years or so, it feels like things have leveled up. Just driving down Nolensville, you can see more signs in more languages for a wider variety of businesses. Let's welcome now two business owners who have opened their doors in the past five years. Diane Jambash opens, owns rather Plaza Mariachi, and Riyaz Sheikh manages Surati Street Food. Diane, I understand you pretty much grew up in South Nashville when it was becoming an international corridor. First of all, what was the Plaza Mariachi site when you were a kid? Yeah, so back in
6: 1985, when my family moved here. Um, Nolan'sville Road was very different. um, And what is now Plaza Mariachi used to be my neighborhood Kroger. So we were uh, visiting this spot very regularly on a weekly basis. And, you know, on the wings, um, Baskin Robbins was here and uh, Little Caesars was still here. Um, They're actually here, one of our tenants uh, now, but I remember back in the day, that was when We were visiting Little Caesars Pizza was when it was still on site of the Kroger Shopping Center. So a lot has changed, but some things have remained the same.
1: Where did you get the idea to transform it?
6: So um, interestingly enough, we've always had uh, businesses here in Nashville. Um, My mother, as a matter of fact, was Nashville's first Hispanic woman dentist uh, in the 80s. So I grew up... um, in the office where we saw all of the new arrivals, all of the new Latino people that were coming to Nashville, they were our patients. And so we grew up with a lot of the business owners, with everyone that came to Nashville that inevitably needed dental work. Uh, they came into our family practice. And so very early on, we were visitors of the newly opened restaurants, the newly opened uh, Discoteca Mexico, which is where we rented our videos. Every Friday, we would go and get candy and we would get a, a video, a rental, a Pedro Infante movie or a clavillazo or, you know, just something that would tie us back to our Mexican roots. Um, but, you know, we, we saw Nashville grow. We saw everything that was coming our way. And it just made sense, you know, as we saw more and more immigrants coming to the Nashville area, primarily, um, you know, Spanish speakers. So all the Hispanic Latino community that kept coming to Nashville. It just made sense that when we were able to purchase this property um, in 2014, we were able to create a center that would hopefully and, you know, we've we've been um, very pleased that that's what. La Samariachi has become, but we hoped in those times that we could be a place that could be a community center. It could be a place where not just the Hispanic community could come, but all communities could come and use this as a cultural space, a place of celebration, a place where uh We could meet as community leaders, as community members, and celebrate all the cultures, but also be able to bring what we bring from each one of our cultures and make the city a better place.
1: Riaz, you've been in Nashville a while, and you started out working in a restaurant downtown. How was that different?
4: Yeah, back in 2010, it was like there was no so many of the restaurants at that time. So then it started expanding. Then I moved to Nolensville. <clears throat> My boss, who owns the Patel Brothers grocery store, so he has invested a lot in Nolensville Park. Now his new structure is coming up on 421 Harding Place. It's like all offices, Indian spa, all the restaurants. So basically this is, Surati's owned by him. And this is mostly like a street food. Like what we miss in India, we don't have any of the places over here in Nashville to visit that street food places.
1: That seems to be that common theme we're hearing from folks. You, you miss the thing from home. You, you, just, you just want to have that piece of home and familiarity and something that is just comforting to you. So you got to make it yourself, right? Yeah. What has it been like running your business on Nolan'sville
4: Pike? It's good, challenging. A lot of new faces you meet, a lot of the new people you meet. And, yeah, it's a good experience meeting a lot of the different people and exchanging words with them, talking to them, and, like, knowing about them. It's a good, fun job.
1: What are your customers like about Sarati? What, what keeps them coming back?
4: Like, uh, in Nashville, we do have Indian restaurant, but they don't have the street food. So our basically concept is like a street food, what you get back in India, like the burgers, sandwiches, a lot of the Our menu is very wide, like Indo-Chinese, South Indian, everything comes in one menu.
1: If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm Nina Cardona, filling in for your host, Khalil Ekulona. We're talking about how Nolensville Pike has grown and continued to develop in recent years as a hub for our immigrant communities. Dr. Jose Gonzalez from Conexion Americas is still with us. What would you say are the newest and fastest growing communities that you've noticed in the area?
0: Um, well, the the ones that I'm most knowledgeable about just because of the work that Conexion Americas is involved in, of course, is is members of, the, of Latin American countries and in particular, uh, so Central Americans, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when we started Conexion Americas, probably 65 to 70 percent of the folks, this is 20 years ago, uh, were of Mexican origin uh, of those immigrant families that were moving to town uh, most recently right, certainly because of, of of what's happening in Central America that 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 those percentages have have sh- have certainly shifted and so the new arrivals certainly over the last two to five years have been predominantly from Central American countries mm-hmm. right Guatemala Honduras El Salvador um, uh, most recently, certainly over the last couple of years, two three years, uh, a, a, an important community from Venezuela is is, is moving to to town. Um, uh, I now often go into restaurants, Mexican restaurants, where the, the servers, right, or the hostesses, you know, I, I pick up the accent, and it's not a Mexican accent, and right. you're not know, engaged in conversation, of course. And and uh, you know, often, often. Talk to folks that have moved here from Venezuela, either either uh, just very recently, or they have moved somewhere else. Most likely, usually they start in Florida, and then because of those uh, connections, family connections, and networks, end up in end up in Nashville. So those those are two of the primary um, uh, uh, representatives from the Spanish speaking world.
1: Well, and I'd say just driving down the streets, I've certainly noticed a, a big influx in businesses. With Ethiopian names Mm -hmm. and all kinds of cultures that we're seeing some real growth in. Yeah, absolutely, yes. Egyptian as well. Now, Diane, have you run into any challenges trying to cater to a Latin community that has become increasingly diverse? Not
6: really. What we have found is that um, through Plaza Mariachi and, you know, all of the work that we do in the community, we have been able to unite traditionally, um, not really interactive communities within the Hispanic uh, community. You know, most everybody says, oh, well, everybody's Mexican. Well, no, not, not really. You know, just because you speak Spanish does not mean you're Mexican or you're Puerto Rican. Or, you know, there's so many different nations that are represented that speak Spanish. And with our events and through our outreach events through um, the Hispanic Family Foundation, we have been able to serve most every Spanish speaking community member that is here in Nashville. It's been amazing, but not just the Hispanic community. I mean, we are um, regularly serving and interacting with Congolese, the Somali community, Kurdish, Afghan, Persian, Chinese. I mean, we love the fact that there is so much diversity in Nashville and to be here in the heart of the Nolansville corridor, I mean, we couldn't imagine putting Plaza Mariachi any other place because this area is so rich and bustling with culture that you only have to, you don't even have to drive. You can literally walk anywhere up and down um, within a few blocks and come across someone speaking a different language Uh, You can smell the different foods, the cuisine, which is phenomenal. And every time a new place opens, we are so excited to be able to go and, you know, support the community members, but also indulge in new flavors, new sights and sounds. And uh, for for us, that is really um, visiting the world without having to leave Nashville.
1: Our listener, Matthew Bond on Twitter says, I loved that area. Lived there for 11 years. There was a great little restaurant, San Jose, right beside San Jose Tire Shop. And I went there all the time. Love that. And that's something you see so much. It's the tire shop and it's the restaurant f- filling multiple needs uh, on, on one kind of site. Riaz, you are originally from Mumbai. How have you found yep. community here in South Nashville?
4: It's a mixed community, and uh, I really love the people. I really love this city, especially Nolan Pike. It's growing so fast, and it's expanding, and it's a progress
1: that I can see. Jose, or rather, Diane, I'd like to hear this from you too. What do you see in the future of Nolensville Pike?
6: I think the future of Nolensville Pike um, is a very successful future for business owners. Um, We know that Um, most of the entrepreneurs that are from other countries actually originate in other countries. um, And they are popping up businesses right and left, which is a beautiful thing because that is going to ensure that we have authenticity. You know, a lot of times we can say and we can think that something is real Mexican food when in actuality, it may be um, a great spinoff. It may be great fusion, but, you know, I love authentic. I love something that's going to represent someone's community and someone's culture in, in a real way. And I see that Nolansville Road is staying true to its roots of having entrepreneurship, having small businesses, large businesses, but also embracing the international community. And I hope, I really, really hope that um, this quarter continues to be the place where anyone that comes to Nashville or us Nashvilleians that reside here and live here and love this city that we can always say, Hey, I know where you can get amazing food or you can go and buy um, authentic clothing from the nations and they just know where to go that they don't have to second guess or try to navigate anything else. But I, I hope that this continues to maintain its flair and beauty um, and sabor or flavor uh, that, that people can count on decade after decade.
1: Well, that was Diane John Bash, who owns Plaza Mariachi, and Riaz Sheikh from Surati Street Food, also Dr. Jose Gonzalez, co-founder of Conexion Americas. Thank you all for being here. Before we go, we wanted to pay another visit to a longtime Nolansville haunt, the Queen of Hearts tattoo shop. When Angel Moon opened it in 1993, the tattoo industry was not very welcoming for women artists, but... She persisted, and now her daughters are keeping her legacy alive on Nolansville Road.
7: No one was surprised when Crystal Harris took over the Queen of Hearts in 2014. She grew up there, with all the customers stretched out in the chairs and the cases of body jewelry and the walls plastered with the artist's splash. The tattoo machine is almost like a lullaby for both of us. In fact... Most of Crystal's memories of her mom take place in a tattoo parlor. I mean, she works seven days a week, so at that point, the tattoo shop was in the back of a pool hall. For over 20 years, the Queen of Hearts has lived in a small gray house just off a busy stretch of Nolensville Pike. But before that, it was located up in Radcliffe, Kentucky. I'd go up there all the time on the weekends and stuff and uh, with my father and play pool and just kind of hang out with my mom. That was the time I actually got family time. She learned to tattoo at her mother's knee. Angel even gave her her first tattoo, a mama and baby dolphin on her ankle. And even as a kid, Crystal knew her mom was a little different. I remember walking through the grocery store back in the 90s and uh, my mom being so heavily tattooed that people would actually like grab their children and like detour around us. But she pretty much always knew she wanted to follow in her mom's footsteps. And she wasn't the only one in the family who followed suit. My little sister is my piercer here as well. Um, she's actually been born and raised. Um, actually, even having a playpen back here in the room when she was a small child.
8: You come on back, love. Just have a seat. All right, sweetheart. Is this your first uh, time having a lip piercing? Mm-hmm.
7: That's Dixie. Like her sister, she loves keeping the family business alive. But she didn't always feel that way.
8: Oh, as a kid, I was pissed, man. (laughs) I was so pissed as a kid. I was like, man, why do we have to miss everything?
7: For Angel, the shop and tattooing sometimes had to come first. And she always kept her girls by her side. That meant missing out on birthday parties and holidays.
8: So growing up, I was like, man, I'm never going to do this. And uh, I wanted to be like a vet or something crazy.
7: Eventually, Dixie came around. She fell in love with the art of piercing and the way that adding just a little bit of sparkle could make her clients more confident in their own skin.
8: Hello good. Mm-hmm. And we can switch that topper up if you want to do something bigger or A big or
7: part color. of it was realizing, in retrospect, now. everything her mom had to go through to become and hold her place as one of the few well-known women tattoo artists and shop owners in the entire country in the 1990s. At one convention, one of Angel's tattoos, a rose in tribal design on a woman's hip, had caused quite a buzz. Photographers were snapping pics, and everyone wanted to meet the artist.
8: The photographer was literally looking and searching for her, like, where is this artist at? And as soon as he found out it was a woman, not a male, he literally took his roll of film and pretty much opened it and destroyed all the photos because he said that he would not photograph or publish
7: a woman in their magazine.
9: I really can't stress how different it was then than it is now.
7: Aaron Richards is an artist at Rebel Yell, a tattoo shop just up the road from Queen of Hearts. He got his start at the Queen herself, at her first shop up in Kentucky. When Angel decided to shut down that location to focus on the one in Nashville in 1997, she took Aaron with her.
9: She got us all together and she's like, you might want to move to Nashville. You know, she rented us a U-Haul and we um, packed up all of her stuff and moved down here and went to work.
7: (laughs) Angel was such a prominent figure in the tattoo scene that the Tennessee Health Department sought her out for feedback as they drafted up the first ever state regulations on the tattoo industry. She brought together tattoo owners from across the state to help shape the new rules.
9: Somehow she got them all to agree. And, I mean, these are literally people who would never want to be in the same room with each other beforehand, you know, without fighting. Somehow she managed to wrangle them together and, you know, keep a lid on them and keep them professional enough so that the health board didn't run away screaming when they met with them.
7: Aaron worked for Angel for just over a decade before moving on. But he will always remember the Queen of Hearts as a formative part of his life.
9: I moved there, you know, when I was, you know... In my very early 20s, and I was a, a pretty inexperienced tattooer, to be honest. I'd been at it for, you know, four or five years, but by no means was I anything special. You know, when I left there, you know, I was a, a pretty well-known tattooer. I had, you know, my I was very confident with my skills. I had a family at that point, and Angel was a part of that. She took care of us, you know, like we were, you know, like her little chicks.
7: Like Aaron said, a lot has changed since the Queen first opened its stores. Tattooing is much more regulated, and women artists and shop owners are a lot more common. For Crystal, the change in clientele has been a big shift. Back in the day, she says, tattoos were mostly sported by rebels, outcasts, and military types. And now everybody has them. Even my gynecologist comes here and gets tattooed, but you would never even know she had a single tattoo. Angel Moon passed away in 2014 due to complications from dementia. Her visitation was held in the same shop where she built her name, with her favorite song playing over the speakers. Desperado by the Eagles.
9: You know, the queen of hearts is
7: always your best bear. Dixie was blown away by the turnout that day.
8: That was the moment where I really understood what my mom had done for the industry. And seeing all these, you know, big biker guys, heavily tattooed, come in and pay this woman respect when that's how she got her start was, you know, countless rejections and camera rolls in the trash and being told that she'd never amount to anything. And now seeing even in her passing that she was still able to bring back so many people and bring so many artists together for that moment to say, you know, you you changed me and you helped shape me was probably one of the, is probably one of the most proudest moments I've had.
1: That was producer Rose Gilbert. We want to thank everyone who tuned in this hour. Tomorrow, we've got a topic near and dear to my son's heart gaming. It's going to be a fun show. Tune in. This is Nashville is a production of WPLN News and Nashville Public Radio. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Our producers are Steve Harouche, Rose Gilbert, and Tasha AF Lemley. Our digital lead is Anna Gallegos-Cannon. Michaela Elias is our technical director. Our executive producer is Andrea Tudhope. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to our new intern, Doreen Schoenecki. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville. Find us on Facebook and Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Nina Cardona, in for your host, Khalil Ekulona. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody.